It's real. It is real. It's not just a song. It is real. We're going Amen. there. That land is there. And the prophet said they've already set it up. The Amen. gates are there. They're waiting. They're just waiting for the inhabitants to come. Oh, aren't you waiting for that? I'm looking for it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I'm not going to have to sing John was in the Spirit after all. We are in the Spirit. God bless you. Sure is good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Well, let's go directly to the Word, if we will. Thank you, Brother Jeff. Musicians, God bless you. 1 John chapter 4. Wonderful. Nice to have everybody back. Brother Max, nice to have you back. Uh, Brother Darren Boyer texted me and said they had a wonderful time, and he was thankful for all that came from here. I was talking to Brother Kelly Hildebrandt, and we had streamed some of the services. It was wonderful streaming and listening to it. Uh, I'm sure it was good to be there, wasn't it? <laughs> wonderful. And uh, you've, you've likely heard that some of the guidelines, will, the provincial guidelines regarding are going to be relaxed. I don't know what our municipal government's going to do. doesn't sound like they were on the same page, but we'll see what happens. Um, it was actually some time back last year when we had all the COVID restrictions and such, and Brother Kevin Henneke had waited for uh, a number of, number of months, and year, I don't know, what was it a year plus or whatever, and finally Sister Elizabeth arrived, and it was wonderful, and we were going to have a little reception for them. We couldn't do that because of the guidelines, and and then he got sick, and then it's been one thing after the other, and, and I know a number of you have had them over, and that, that's been a blessing. So I don't think we were going to be able to have a, a full-on uh, get-together for them, but we would like to do a little um, participation for them just to welcome them. And it's, it's hard to welcome somebody after they've been here like eight months already, but uh, just to, to do that. And so... Uh, a couple of the sisters have arranged to uh, give you all a chance to participate in giving a little household or monetary gift. So starting this Sunday, there's going to be a table and a wishing well set up in the foyer. If you need more information, contact Sister Josephine or Sister Mary. So that'll be this Sunday, and you can participate in giving them a welcome gift. And because they've been in a number of your homes, I'm sure they're being made welcome and will continue to be made welcome. So... Uh, we trust that's all right. Let's read from 1 John chapter 4 in verse 1. <clears throat> Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come. And even now, already it is in the world. So John is writing this about 30 years after Jesus had come and passed on. The spirit of God, the spirit of Christ that was in the world and, and, and the manifestation of the life of God in the flesh and within that short period of time, there were already other spirits that were there. 
So he would say in verse 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. Now he's identifying what the world is, and he's saying they. He's making a distinction. We're not a part of that. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. Don't get too entangled with what's going on in this world. Our kingdom is at home we were singing about. That's what I want to keep my focus on. Now, we would also read in, in verse 6, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, that's a pretty bold statement, but that shows you know where you're standing. You know that you've got a relationship with God. You know where you're standing. Anyway, let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer this evening. Heavenly Father, we have read your word. We have prayed. We have looked to you for this service. We've sung songs. But now, Lord, as we turn to the word, we invite you to come. May the Spirit of God come not only to the speaker, but to every heart. Not to every, just the ears, but to the heart, Lord. And Father, may you give us a spirit that will agree with your word. That will, as we agree, it will become life in us and be manifested. Father, we don't want to see ourselves. We want to see Jesus. Oh, Lord, would you come in our midst tonight. Now, bless your people. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you. May have your seats. I'm going to carry on with, with the thought of organized religion and manifested life. Tonight I want to speak on identifying the root characteristics. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn for a moment to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers 14, and then after we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 11. But I'm going to just take this many times. We speak of truth and error, but here John is talking about the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So it's not just words that we, you know, I I can say the right words because a robot can say the right words. But there's a spirit attached with how we carry it. And that's, we're going to focus a little bit on that. So this is at the time of uh, the coming out of Egypt and going in. And we know that Egypt was a type of the world that was coming out, but you've got to go in. And so at that time, there was many that came out, but very few that went in. So this is a, this is a, uh, God now speaking at Kadesh Barnea to um, the people of God, and he would say in verse 22, all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt in the wilderness, have tempted me these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land, whether I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. So he's telling them, you came out, but you, you couldn't go in. You didn't, 
you provoked me, and I, I don't want to be provoking God. I want to be found agreeing with God. I want to be pleasing God. In verse 24, it makes this statement, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully. Now look, look at how it says, he had another spirit than those that were around them. And he followed me fully. We're living not in the age of partial realization, but this is full realization. I don't want to just come out part way. I don't want to camp on something. Wherever you and I are at, no matter where am I, we can go further today than where we are right now. And I say, Lord, you know what my strengths are, but you know what my weaknesses are. Lord, enlarge those things. Cause me to follow you fully. So he says, he's followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land, whether he goes and his seed shall possess it. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to just sort of go from point to point and, and let the, the Holy Spirit drop the word in. So there's, there is a manner in which Joshua, he, he saw the promises, he saw the word, but it took another spirit to keep him focused on that. Matthew chapter 11. Now, Jesus is praying and he is talking to the land of Tyre and Sidon. How many remember the service last Wednesday? But he says this in verse 25. At the time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Now, the world around us, everything we do will teach you that you need to learn in, in everything you do. At school, you learn, you go higher, you do things, push yourself, do what you can, you achieve, you do these things, and yet it's almost contrary to the way God works. And, and, and here he says, I thank you because you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent. So it's not our wisdom, our intellect, our will that will actually bring us further, but it's our yielding to God that brings us further. He says, so you've revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of thy Father. No man knoweth the Son but the Father, and neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. Now, he's saying all of that, and he drops into this little thought. And he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, upon you and learn of me. Now, what was the learning? Was it he just finished saying it's not to the wise, it's, it's not to the prudent. What was the learning? Learn of my nature, learn of my character, learn of my characteristics. Now there's an approach with the word, there's a spirit of truth, and there's a spirit of error. And he would say, take my yoke, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Brother Brandon would make statements. He says, we fight our way to hell. 
We, we, we don't want to confess we're wrong. We, we're, we're human. Our human nature is sometimes hard-headed. It's, it, it gets ingrained. It, it gets entrenched. You know, it, it, there's strongholds in the mind, uh, as Paul would say. But we've got to cast those things down continually and say, Lord, you have your way with me. I yield my vessel to you. Your word is right. You're the one that's right. And, and the example Brother John brought last, Sunday, last, last Wednesday was so wonderful. The Syrophoenician woman, she didn't come there to bring anything of herself. All she did was humble herself and agree with the Lord. And I'll tell you, that will get you really far. Brother Bannon would say, an arrogant spirit is not of God. A boastful spirit is not of God. A spirit that points to itself is not of God. A spirit that wants to take glory is not of God. The glory belongs to Him. All the glory belongs to Him. Oh, I, I love Him. I want to see Him lifted up. Now... We, we, would, we were making the statements in, in some of our previous um, uh, services about the life of God. In the rising of the sun, Satan doesn't care how religious you are or how right you are in your doctrine. If you miss that life, you won't come up anyhow. No matter how religious, how good how many churches you belong to or will belong to, it doesn't matter one thing unless you've been born again. And there's many, uh, the phrase born again is one of the most misused uh, phrases in, in the Christian world today. Born again can be an emotion. Born again can be a higher level. Born again can be this and this. But to be born of the incorruptible seed word of God. How do you know you are of God? Because your spirit fully agrees with everything God says. That's, that's a new birth. And that's not an intellectual learning either. Yeah, I, I agree. No, it's your subconscious that says amen to it. Even as we're ministering, there's something in you saying, my soul needs this. Preach it, Brother Ed. And there's something that's pulling. It's something that pulsates. It's something that carries you. You don't carry it. So, now, I, I, I need to just get you into a little bit of the thought of where I'm at. The, we, because we've understood truths and teaching and, and, and things, we... We bring a lot of what we are and we examine and judge a lot of things by compliance with the Word. And that's exactly what we should do. But, but it isn't just... We need to see because somebody can be off uh, the Word, if you want to call it, but they can have a spirit that wants to bring them to the Word. So it's more than just saying, oh, they're not in. Yeah, they're gone. No, they're, it's, it's greater than that. So, so we need to understand it, and we need to understand when we were wrong. I, I found myself praying, Lord, how can you put up with me sometimes? How can you love me for, for, for the way I've, I've acted? You know, the little things that just come up, and, and it grieves the Holy Spirit. There, there ought to be a spirit in us. So 
And Brother Brandon would say, I want to live so close to God till the least bit of grieving, I would know it from him. Now that, that's, a, that's, a, that's living in a spirit world. So in this last age, now listen to how Brother Branham says. I'm going to read a couple things. He's in a prayer line. Good evening, sir. I want you to look at me. This is not reading your mind. You're a human, and you have a spirit. You have a spirit, and this is the anointing by another spirit that contacts you. Now, that spirit is in the building right now. There's another spirit in the building that wants to distract you. It's here right now. Now, he's in another place. He says in a prayer line, now that you might know that this is true, stand still in a moment. And all of a sudden, there's a scream. I hear, no, no, nobody hears the scream. I hear a spirit scream from the audience somewhere. Now, this is as the word is going out. As Jesus is beginning to discern, he says, there's a lady that's sitting there. You got stomach trouble. Right on the back row. Right straight ahead of me. Way up. Stand up. I see that light hang over you. Now, this is putting this on a different level. Now, you might say, Brother Ed, I, I, I've never noticed that. But I believe the gift that we've been given and the word that we're under. Now, that vessel is to one. But I believe that that spirit is still in our midst. And I believe it's moving in our midst more and more. And it's not just for preachers or for gifts. It's, a, it's for every one of us. A greater than Solomon. I suppose we're strangers. I hate to tell you this. Do you want me to tell you anyhow? You're shadowed. You're shadowed to death. you got some habits you've got to give up. Now let me show you something. And then he says, I feel another spirit moving. Moving in. It's the devil. You're trying to get right with God. Frankly, you've just been baptized to get straight. That's right. Now here's the devil trying to attach himself to somebody who wants some help. So now I'm, I'm, we're talking spirit of truth and the spirit of error, and we're identifying characteristics. Now, Brother Branham would go and say, demon spirits travel on the titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now that's quite a statement to make. Now I'm going to back up a little bit with that today. There's, there's many parts of this I could read. I'm not going to try and read it all. Um, he now talks to the church a little bit. He says, now friends, I talked to your pastor. Churches can get a pastor's spirit instead of God's spirit. Now we don't need one another's spirit. We need God's spirit. And that's what I would desire, that we have the Holy Spirit, that I don't project my own spirit, my own personality, my own thought on the matter, but I want it to be the Word that is projected and the Spirit of God that goes with it. Now he says, you go to a church, you watch the way the pa pastor acts, and that's the way people act. If the pastor is real starchy and stiff, people will be the same way. And he says, if they go into wild fanaticism, the people will be the same way. If you go... And he says, we ought to be thankful in this tabernacle. We have a pastor that's sane, sensible, preaches the gospel, simple, full, free, and in its power. That's what we would desire. And we, we, we're, we can read more parts of this, but I need to move this along a little bit. I want to just read this part because he's speaking now to the individual. And he says this. Now, put this first. If you've got 
that, the other will take place. Now, if you've got that, he's talking about the Spirit. If you've got that, you'll get so hungry for God, shouting will take place. If you get so hungry for God, speaking in tongues will take place. If you get so hungry for God, you'll keep on hungering, you'll keep yourself. Now, you go to seeing yourself get indifferent. Remember, there's another spirit trying to work itself in there. And he says, now stay before God, be humble, with travail of soul, just be that good old-fashioned Christian. Now, I, there, there, there'd be a lot I could read. I, I have a number of quotes on this, and I'm not going to read them all. Okay, we'll just, we're going to leave this. If I, I'll, I'll read this. I, I debated if I'd read this at the end. He's preaching in choosing of a bride, and you, you want to sometimes listen to a tape, because there is an earnest spirit of God that's projected out through that voice. And he, and he comes and he sees, uh, he sees pastors and their wives, and he sees the systems, and he sees the, the things around him, and, and something just begins to rise up. And it's not just William Branham, but it's the Spirit of God. And somehow in the middle of this is just before the prophecy, he says, Oh, Pentecost, run for your life. Flee to the horns of the altar before it's too late. For the hour will come when you can cry, it'll do no good. Esau sought to found a pl find a place, and he couldn't. I commit you, oh, California, convention of full gospel businessmen whom I love, I commit you to Jesus. Don't let the devil ever cool you off from this. Stay right with it. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Insomuch when you come to this word, it'll make you women straighten up. It'll make you men straighten up. I say if you've got the Holy Ghost and you won't cope with the word, it's another spirit on you. God's spirit is on his word. The Messiah, messianic, the anointed word. The bride must be a messiah, the anointed word. That's what we're looking for. Okay, now, I, I, I'm going to just go back. I want to go at the roots of this a little bit. And I, I'm, I'm going to take this from this thought because I'm, I'm going to Genesis. And Brother Bannon will say, Genesis is a book that Satan hates. And I, I'm, I'm going to exa examine this from this perspective on that of a cult. Okay? Because... A cult, and I, I should have brought the, I really wanted to bring this in another service, but uh, a cult is a people that are completely sold out with complete adherence to the teachings of one man. So the largest cult I know is the Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> you could label Jesus and his followers as a cult. But Brother Adam gives the right definitions to this. So let's, let's go. He says this. The word Genesis is beginning. Every cult we have on the face of the earth today began in Genesis. It's the seed chapter. It's where it originated. Now, we read just a couple of Wednesdays ago 
out, out of the message, why we're not a denomination about Babylon in Revelation 17. He says, Babylon appears in the book of Genesis. It was founded by Nimrod, a son of Ham. It was called the Gates of Paradise after that confusion. Babylon appears in Genesis, in the middle of the Bible, and over in Revelations. It was the origin and the beginning of idol worship. It began back there. It's lasted. It ends up in Revelation, Babylon. Now, God's laid it on Brother John's heart. He spoke that to the young people. He's, he's touched on some of us in our services too. Now he says, not long ago in teaching, I look at these spirits. Every cult in the world started in Genesis. Babylon began there. All these different ites, all these different gods, they started worshiping. It's branched down. Watch the nature of what they did. If you study it, you'll find it and you'll see it where it is today. Now, the word illuminates and brings light on things. All these things originated in Genesis. Look at how they were building. They worked in metal. Science was great. They built the Sphinx, the pyramids. And he says, they can't do that today. And he says, they had cults, everything. It's pointing towards the end time. And then he goes into, this is in a message, true and false vines. He says, now Babylon, Revelation 17, that old prostitute woman and her daughters called Babylon, it started in Genesis. It appears over here in the days of King Nebuchadnezzar. And it appears at the going out in the age of Revelations. It's in the middle of the book. It's at the end of the book. It's under Christianity, but it's still idolatry. Now, so I'm going to ask you, if you can, go to Genesis chapter 4. I'm just going to just take a few scriptures. Are you with me tonight? Okay, Genesis 4. And now we've been reading on this, and we were here on, sun, on, on Sunday and, and a bit before. But to save time, this is when Adam and Eve, and, and you see they have two sons, and in verse 2, there it was Cain and then Abel. And immediately the first thing that's identified in verse 2, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it immediately identifies their occupation. Two seeds, a false vine and a true vine. One vine was looking to work the ground, get the metals, and you, and you do a follow-through. They built cities. They were makers of iron and things. Where'd they get the iron from? The ground. They did that by their own strength, by their own means, by their own ambition. Now, I'm, 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 I, just stay with me. This, it just identified real quick. This is their occupation. This is what they did. This was what they, they went to. They said, they, listen, they didn't go to a job post and just pick one. This showed what was in their heart. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, humble, simple, letting what God had given through animal life produce itself. Wasn't trying to do anything themselves. But waiting to allow God to work through them. So, so I, I, I can read this. We, re we read briefly about the offerings. And it says... Cain brought an offering in verse 3 of the fruit of the ground. So right from their occupation, their passion, Cain, he had worked with something himself. He had something that, look what I have done. I'm going to present this to God. And if we're not careful, 
We go about in our own zeal and say, look at what I have done. Look at what I am doing. Here it is, God. But it takes a revelation to please God. It's not what we can exert and what we can bring and, and give God. And it says, And Abel also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof, and God had respect unto Abel. So Abel, by revelation, saw that it was blood, and the shedding of blood was the only way to please God. It didn't look as pretty. It, it didn't do all of those things, but it was God doing it. Now, listen how Brother Bannon will say it. And this is in also the true and false vine. Cain was not an unbeliever. If a believer is all that God required, God was unjust condemning Cain and accepting another believer. Cain was not a communist. Cain was not an infidel. Cain was a religious man. Remember, the desire is to worship. And, and, and it's in every human being to worship. And, and there's two forms of worship you can give. A worship unto God or a worship unto the enemy, unto, the, unto Lucifer, who desired the worship. So he says, notice he came to worship God. He was a worshiper of Jehovah God. Now let that soak, on, soak in. A worshiper. I've heard people say, all I've got to do is confess Jesus to be the Son of God and you're saved. Devils have done the same thing and they're not saved. It takes more than that. Cain was a believer and acknowledged the Creator. Not only that, he was a worshiper. He come to the east side of the garden where the garden lays on the east side in Eden, perhaps where the great angel of the, uh, the, the great sword of the angel was flipping back and forth. Cain and Abel working in their fields, realizing they came from that lovely home. They were trying to worship God. Now, the Bible says Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And he will make things pretty. Now, Brother Adam would say, if God only requires faith in God or confession or an altar or church membership or a sacrifice, a membership and a loyalty to a church, he says, then God being just would have to accept Cain. So it's greater than that. Now, we, we look at these two offerings. In verse 5 it says, now unto Cain and his offering God had no respect. And look at the reaction of Cain to Almighty God. He says he was wroth and his countenance fell. So his approach was what he could do, what he could bring, what he could manufacture, what he could work. And I'm going to give that to God. Now way over in the church age book, in, in, in Brother Bannon would say, all of our fastings, all of our offerings, all of those things mean nothing if they come from that kind of a heart. It's not, it's, and remember, it, it's even if you're wrong and God would correct you, the believer's heart is to say, I'm wrong, God is right. The overcomer in Laodicea is the one that says that I am wrong. The zeal of the church is to repent. The zeal is to say, I need correction. I need to be molded. I'm, I'm, I'm approaching this just in a, in a way that I, I, I'm, I'm not looking, again, I, I'm not preaching to other churches, I'm preaching to us. Because I don't want to take on an organization, I want the liberty of God. Now, he, he will, let me, let me read a little further. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art you wrath? Why is your countenance falling? 
If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Now, now look at the fine line here. God even gives him a chance. Even though he's of the wrong seed line. Even though he wasn't in the thoughts of God. The mercy of God. The goodness of God. But to show the spirit that was behind it and to show that it was Lucifer that had came and injected himself and then through the serpent vicariously produced an offspring that could not have the nature of God. And he says, unto thee shall be his desire and thou shalt rule over him. I'm not going to dwell on that. In the next verse, Cain killed his brother. Brother Branham would say, in the Laodicean church age, we see these two vines. We see Abraham had two sons, one after the flesh, and he persecuted Isaac. And we had one after the promise. We see the same two parents came, two boys came forth as twins, and one loving and knowing the things of God, the other knowing much of the same truth, but not of the same spirit and hence persecuted the child that was not elect. Now, Brother Branham says right here, elect cannot persecute elect. In fact, Brother Branham said, the Bible says much about our attitude. You don't go out, you don't have to kill somebody. You just have to be angry at your brother without a cause. And it's the same in God's book of going down that road. And, 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 and we all know that if we're, if we're walking with God and we're within fellowship with God, God can speak to us personally at any time. And I, I listened to Brother Branham just on a tape the other day, and he says, that, what? he's talking about this man who had a, he didn't agree on, on their doctrine. He says, why? That's, that's weaker than the, the broth made of a, of a chicken that was half uh, starved to death, of the shadow of a chicken that was half starved to death. And then he says, I could, I could twist that man up and not... And he said, whoa, sorry, I shouldn't have said that that way. What was he walking with? He wasn't, sometimes, we, listen, it's so easy to get calloused over. It's so easy to get hardened over. You just go down the road a little bit and allow your feelings and your thoughts and, and things, and it's easy to trespass across things. But I want to live close, and I say, Lord, whatever's displeasing, let me, let me get back into that place. There's your protection. There is the root of what we stand for. It, it's, it's not just, I, I can twist that guy up. and That was not the attitude. That's not pleasing to the Holy Spirit. Listen, I, I believe as, as a church as a whole, we represent the, the, the feminine part of God and we're subject to God. We want to let Him have the preeminence. We want Him, and then, Brother Adam would type a woman naturally. And he'd say, a woman is not meant to have an iron disposition. Now, everywhere you go and look, I watched a little bit of the Olympics. I'm watching women in sports and doing things, and, 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 and it's like, wow, that, that's amazing. And I'm going, and, and it's like boasting, and it's like, and I'm going, what are, what are we trying to epitomize? And, and I'm, I'm just using this naturally. I says, it's the same for us. We don't want to, ex- as, as a people, as the feminine part, we don't want to exert ourselves and say, look, look at me, look at me. 
No, it's, Lord, you do as you please through me. I'm here for you, Lord. He says, it's the reprobates that persecute and destroy the elect. They are of the cane line, the serpent seed. They build their babels. They build their cities. They build their empires. And all the while calling on God. They hate the true seed, and they will do all they can, even in the name of the Lord, to destroy God's elect ones. But they are needed. Oh, you mean it's not my business to go and, and, and you know, as Brother Brandon would say, march on the White House, march on Parliament Hill? No, they're needed to fulfill God's Word. He says, now, what is the chaff to the wheat? No chaff, no wheat. But in the end, what happens to the chaff? It's burned with fire. And the wheat, it's gathered in the garner. There it is. O elect of God, beware. Study closely. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Rely on God and be strong in his might. Your adversary, the devil, is even now going like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Watch unto prayer. Be steadfast. This is the end time. The true and false vine are coming into maturity, but before the wheat matures, those ripened tares must be bound for burning. See, they're all joining the world council of churches. That is the binding. Soon the garner of the wheat will come, but right now these two spirits are at work in two vines. Come out from among the tares. Start to overcome that you may be considered praiseworthy for your Lord and fit to reign and rule with him. Cain, and I'm, why are you reading? Because what was here in Genesis is all the way back here now. And he says, now, look at the attitude. Now, the Lord says in verse 9, where's Abel, your brother? He says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Look, look at the arrogance. Friends, I, if, if anything we should be taught is our approach, the, the Syrophoenician woman, she had an approach. She wasn't even in the right country. She had complex. She had all those things. But the right approach will bring you to the right thing. Listen, the... the only the elect can humble themselves to the word. He says, my brother's keeper. And then he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood comes. And, and now into verse 12. When you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be in the earth. Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. In other words, I don't like what you're telling me. You, you look at this spirit. It just goes from one to the next to the next to the next. I, I just say, the minute I find my step, my, my step slightly off, Lord, let me know right then so I can correct it. Now, look at these words, and actually, Cain said, my punishment is greater. You've driven me from the earth. I'll be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. It shall come to pass that everyone that finds me shall slay me. Now, if you take these words fugitive and, and, and vagabond, it means to reel, to stagger, to wander, to move, to, to make to move, uh, to go to and fro, to flutter, to show, ha to show grief, to, to wander, to take flight. That's a vagabond. Now, if you, you, can, you can just follow this through a little bit, and, and, and you go right to verse 16, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. 
When, when did people actually leave this truth? It, it didn't start just out on a website. It started maybe right in a church. Right when they started, I don't like what's going on here. I don't like this, this, this all this authority and uh, under a man or a messenger. I don't like this. And it started with just a little something uprising. And it brought them out of the presence of God. And he dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of the garden, uh, in, the, in the east of Eden. And, and so he left the presence of God. He found his religion in his own doing, in his own making. It wasn't under the presence of God. It was full of works. It was full of all kinds of things. It said he knew his wife, and he con- she, she conceived and bare Enoch and built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Now, this is not to be confused with the other Enoch. But if you actually look at these names, Enoch and Lamech and different ones, they actually parallel the names of the righteous seed line. Now, now look, at, look at how this works. Now, go to verse 20. And Ahab bare Jabal. He was the father of such as dwell in the tents, and such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal. And he was the father of all as such as handle the harp and the organ. Wow, those are nice religious music, religious instruments. And Zila, she bare Tubalcane, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. Like, look at look at all the things they're doing. They've got religion, but they're out of the presence of God. Friends, I don't want to just be under a church building. I want to be in heavenly places. I want to be where God can speak. And we read this further, and, and you can read in verse 25 to 26, but in verse 26, we know that there was another seed, and it says, and, and he, Seth had a son born, was born a son, and he called his name Enos, and then, and then began men to call on the name of the Lord. So everything that is happening before that, after Abel died, that wasn't a calling on God. That was my religion. But now it was calling on the Lord again. Now, chapter 5 goes through all of this, and it talks about the seed line. It talks about the seventh from Adam, which if you inject Cain, it, it throws the numerology out. And besides, the Bible says Cain was of that wicked one. So he's not of God, obviously. So it shows the serpent seed. It shows the two spirits that existed. Now we go right up to Genesis chapter 6. These two lines were drawn for 2,000 years. And, and this lineage did all of these things. And, and now it comes to chapter 6. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men. And there began to be a mix of seed lines. And the minute they mixed, their lifespan was shortened. Because God does not allow high breeding. Now he's showing his word is like a mustard seed. It's pure. It's not to be hybrid. We don't have time to go into that. And uh, Genesis 6 was the preamble to the flood. And then in Genesis 7 was the flood. In Genesis 8, they came out from the flood. And there was only Noah, his wife, his three sons, and three wives. And through that, through the ark, through those eight people, the lineage still passed through. Well, how, how are we going to know where it's going to pass through? Well, let's read the Bible because you see it by its characteristics. So when you begin to look now, and we're going to Genesis chapter, let's just go to Genesis 9 verse 20. 
And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. He told his two brethren. And Shem and Japheth, the other two sons, came. They didn't go and look at that. They covered themselves, and they, they came out. And when Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his younger son had done to him. And look at his words. He said, cursed be Canaan. Who is Canaan? Doesn't even say here. Cursed be Canaan, who was a son of Ham. Okay, let's just go a little further. You can read this in chapter 10, verse 6. And the sons of Cush, sorry. And the sons of Ham, verse 6. Cush and Mizram and Phut and Canaan. The fourth son. Now, he's cursing them right away because there's, there's a seed that's planted that's going to work its way through. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brother. Now, God is saying, that lineage came through. They're manifesting that spirit's in the earth. But he begins to speak in verse 26. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And then he says in verse 27, God shall enlarge Jephthah, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shen, and Canaan shall be his servant. Hey, the land of Canaan, which was fought over and everything, it's fought over to this day. It, it started, it had its roots, not in the, the pre-agreement of, of, of when Israel took the land. It started in Genesis. That's when the founding of that land was. And it says, so that's, that's in verses 20 to 27. Now, let's go to verse 10, chapter 10. And these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And unto them were sons born after the flood. It tells about the sons of Jephthah. It tells about the sons of, of uh, yeah, verse chapters 2. But, and then we read in, in verse 6, the sons of Ham. And it says, so there was Cush, Mizram, Phut, and Canaan. And now it talks about the sons of Cush, which were the grandchildren of Ham. Seba and Hafla and, and, and Sabbat and all these different ones. I don't want to try and repeat these names. You can read it for yourself. Read it the way you want it to be read. Verse 8, and Cush begat Nimrod. Now something came through Ham and it came through Cush. And it came to Nimrod, and look at the characteristics that are here. And he began to be a mighty one in the earth. Doesn't say he was great before the Lord. Read the lineage in chapter 5 of those, they were humble men. They were, they were, they were, they were simple men. Brother Brandon would, would talk about that lineage a little bit, and he would, he would just begin to say, you know, these, 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 uh, the lineage of Cain, and he says, Cain was religious, and he talks about the seed line. He says now, oh my, I've got too many things I've read here. Okay, here. He would, he would say it this way. No, I'm not finding it. But he would say, they were a humble people. They were shepherds. They were, they, 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 they were there to hear from God. But the other lineage was always exalting itself in the earth. So here comes Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Whereof it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter of the Lord. Now, 
I, I, I wanted to just get to a little bit of this and just bring, bring a, bit, a few bits of this. Now, I'm going to read a couple of things from the Pergamum Church Age, but I want to read first what he says. Nothing is typed in the Old Testament or anywhere in the Bible but the forced unity of the Babel Tower. Now, I'm sure we can all see political forces. We see men that are using and capitalizing on, on what's in the earth today to bring a system and an agenda in the earth. Now, this is not spiritual yet, but it's setting up for what will be spiritual. There'll be an amalgamation somewhere. So don't, don't get all caught up and hung up with what's going. It's got to be here. You, you can fight against it all you want. You're, you're wasting your energy. That's not our fight. <laughs> Listen, that's the counterfeit. Brother Adam would say, I don't spend time studying the counterfeit. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're doing. Look what they're doing. Listen, I study the real. Because when I study the real, I'll know the counterfeit. Because the real has a spirit to it, just as the counterfeit does. And, and it's good to read the news. It's good to be, you know, be aware of things. But don't be all caught up in it. My goodness, there's so much word we could be reading. And we can spend hours. Well, look what they did over there. Look what they did over there. Listen, the word is far greater. That's our future home. That's where we're going to. Why would we waste our time? And if we know it's prophesied, it's got to come to pass. Now, am I sitting back and saying, well, come on in. No, I'll stand my ground as long as I'm here. This is my ground, but it hasn't come and beat down my door yet. Listen, the prophet would actually go as far as to say, when the church knows who she is, when she recognizes the two spirits within the framework of the church, not within the framework of the government, within the framework of the church, you watch when it begins to align itself somewhere. All of this has got to align itself with the World Council of Churches. How do you know that? Because it's typed in Genesis. And Brother Ram says, it's a forced unity. The only thing that it types is unity. Nimrod was a wicked man who forced all the little countries to come into one place and a great tower. Now, it was a religious worship, of course, but not considered in the Word of God. You can read Genesis 11. We won't get to it today. But it said the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And you see it coming. You, you've got to be part of their computer programs, their economic system. You've got to be a part of the agendas. Doesn't matter if you're from Russia or China or Germany or Italy or India or the USA or South America or wherever you're from. It's all coming under one head. Now, not just politically, but when it comes spiritually. Because the gray horse ride is the horse ride of political power, demon powers, and, 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 and political. So political, demon, and religious power. So it's all coming together. So Brother Branham teaches us, watch. 
I read it just on Sunday. I said, keep it spiritual. Keep it spiritual, he says. You know, the, the devil is a master at pushing buttons. <laughs> I made the mistake the other day of just looking at some questions and answers in the House of Parliament. And by the time I watched half an hour of it, I was so angry. I couldn't even pray. I couldn't even pray. I had to go like Elisha, put some music on, bring me a minstrel, play some music. I, I, I got to get in the spirit. I'll tell you what, you feed on that so much, you'll, your prayer life will be affected. Don't, don't get caught up with it. I'm, I'm just saying this out of the goodness of my heart to you. Walk with God. Walk in His Spirit. It's a Holy Spirit. Now, he said, it was a religious spirit. Now here, Brother Branham jumps immediately. Do you believe the prophet had the Spirit of God? He said, so you see where denominational religion is typed. The Tower of Babel, the Old Testament. Watch, this religion was certainly a religion, but not in the Word of God. God has never chosen to put His name in a denomination. Now, I'm, I, I'm, right now we're speaking on this. On, I, want, I want to bring this a little more to home because we can easily make the message a denomination. When somebody doesn't see it my way, you watch politicians. If you don't see it my way, you're a demon. <laughs> doesn't matter what side you're on. Right or left? That's, that's the attitude. Is that of God? Is that of Christ? No, it isn't. Do I agree with one side? No, I don't agree. Do I agree with the other side? Not completely. They're all, listen, it's, that's not what our, our, our fight is. But I, I, I'll, I'll just say, and, and Brother Branham would just say, you can do that into a religious realm all of a sudden. And you bring that in here, and you make that, and you, and you try to do it. If you, if you look at it, and I thank God that early in the game, he just said, this could be an issue. And we've chosen not to make it an issue. And we will not make it an issue. Because we're going home. And we got one place to go. And so somebody doesn't see it your way. How, how, and, and it's now in a religious realm. Oh, they don't see it my way. And all of a sudden, they are not of us because they went out from us. Are you serious? Now, now, if you got the real spirit of God, you're, you're not going to be just labeling them right away. You're going to say, well, listen, brother, come back anytime. Like, we're, we're here to worship. Show me where I'm wrong. But, but when you take an attitude, we stand on this, and if you don't see it, you're not of God. I'll tell you what, right there, that's a wrong spirit. Now, you can stand convinced but you don't become belligerent and emotional because that person that went out somewhere could come back. And your attitude towards them can help them or drive them away. Now, not everybody that goes out, there'll be some that will fit that scripture. And it grieves me to say that there are some. And I'd say, why was it that brother? Why was it that sister? I'm not happy about it. But even in Paul's day, Paul would talk about what was it in First John chapter 3? He reads, I forget the brother's name. Well, he call, I call him a brother. But in, in sorry, Third John chapter 3, 
I write unto the church that this Diotrephides, who loves to have the preeminence among them, ah, oh, it's all about me. It's how I see it. And Paul, like John, John, John just says, he's, he's talking about two spirits, and he says, this guy just loves to have the preeminence. <laughs> okay, now I'm meddling, right? Okay. Let me finish a little bit here. So I'm, I'm reading about Nimrod. Brother Branham would just go a little further and, and talk about Nimrod. And he actually talks about him in the Church Age book. There's a whole section, if you can read this. I'll tell you what, if you don't have a Church, <coughs> a church Age book, and you need one. Amen. This is a book you should be immersed in. Amen. God bless you, Brother Harold. You gave a Church Age book to everybody of the young people. If you don't have one in your home, come and see us. We're going to give you one. I think you need to be engaged in it because it holds so many truths. Under the Pergamon Church Age. Now I'm going to just read a little bit of this. Because, and I'm going to bring it back. It talks about Cush. It talks about Genesis chapter 11. And it said, Babel is the original name for Babylon. It was started by Cush, the son of Ham, a kingdom of power and grandeur on his son, Nimrod, the mighty hunter. He wanted to build a strong nation. He wanted to propagate his own religion. He wanted to make a name for himself. All of this is just like Cain was 2,000 years before. Now, you say, what is this? This is just history. What does that do with me? You can bring it right to the middle of the Bible because there was a group of people that, that, had, that had the gospel and they went to Rome and they started a church and then I think it was one of the emperors, he expelled all the Christians from the, from the church in Rome. And, and 13 years they couldn't be there. And in 13 years, because there was no written word, there was no nothing, in 13 years they became so steeped in idols that when Polycarp went back there and he tried to convince them, he said, I couldn't even convince them. And from that little church in Rome where they, had, where they went and they began to develop, and all of a sudden the dignitary said, hey, these are nice people. It's flowery. It looks good. And they began to enjoin themselves. The dignitaries, it began to be a flourishing thing. That's how the first church of Rome started. And, and in the Church Age book, Brother Bram said, this in 13 years became the seeds of the mighty monster that became Rome today. Now, what's the danger that we become entrenched in something, that we become dominant, we don't let the Holy Spirit have his way? My time is up. Nimrod wanted to do all of these things. He made a name for himself and his followers, and, with, and it goes without saying, to this present age where he will be worshipped and honored under a different name than Nimrod in a temple that is slightly different from the one he was originally um, um, adored. Now I'm going to get into this on Sunday a little bit. But it was under Nimrod, under Babel, that they went from worshipping one god to three gods. They began to reduce the one god into three different levels. Where did the Trinity doctrine come from? It was a spirit from Genesis. It, it, it was found, listen, musicians come, I'm closing. It was found, Brother Branham would say, in India. It was found in Japan. It was found in different places. That spirit, it was a spirit. Oh, well, they're Christians. 
The devil will look to water down what you believe. He will look to get you to compromise. And it's a nice spirit. It's an inviting spirit. We're all Christians, aren't we? No, we're not. If you're in the Word of God and you have the Spirit of God, you know the Spirit of truth and the Spirit of error. Why are we not a denomination? Because the Holy Spirit in us doesn't want that. Not because we just want to be different. No, it's actually a spirit. It's within me. The God that I worship is the God that died for me, is the God that lives in me. He's not three people. He's my Lord. He's my everything. And the devil is wanting you to to wash that down, water that down. Okay, didn't get through everything, but that's okay. Just taking a little bit. Can we stand together? Debated on calling this the seeds of denominationalism, but we're identifying the root characteristics because it's so easy to slip in. Lord, you reign and rule. How many wants him to have free course? Lord, you reign and rule. Lord, you reign.